Good morning. Welcome to church. I trust your week has gone well, and I hope you are really looking forward to the start of a brand new week of a fairly brand new year. Let's start off with a word of prayer and get right into it. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to gather us your choicest assembly of saints uh, worshiping you. Thank you that you in turn will feed us with the word of God. That will be our meal and that will sustain us throughout this week. Thank you that as we go into your word, may we have another revelation of who you are, another revelation of your son. May the wonder working power of the word work tremendous results in our lives as we receive your word this morning with childlike faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me to John chapter 19, verse 28 to 30. Um, we read this scripture last week and we are reading it again. God's word is always fresh. Amen. We are on part 89 of our series on the book of John, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we are looking at John 19, verse 28 to 30. I read, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on his sop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Amen. Last week, we looked at the message called seven. We looked at seven saints of Christ, and we looked at seven places where Jesus shed blood. I mean, you know, he shed, he, there was blood everywhere, but these are seven strategic points. And it's based on the scripture in Leviticus chapter 16, which talks to us about the protocol of atonement. Um, the Bible lets us know, and we read it last week, that when the priest is making atonement, he sprinkles the blood seven times. And like I said, Jewish people are very superstitious. So, you know, numbers communicate something to them. And seven in the Jewish terrain or in the Jewish context means perfection. So it simply means that the atonement is perfect. You have been cleansed from your sins. You've been cleansed from the pollution of the world. You have been consecrated to God for a year. God has atonement. It was a yearly thing. But thanks be to God that when Jesus shed blood at seven different places, our atonement is different from that of the Jewish. We have been cleansed forever. And when you read the book of Hebrews, you get more revelation on the impact 
and the power behind Christ's sacrifice, the whole book of Hebrews. Amen. So we did that last week. And now we are glossing over this again, and we see two of the seven saints. I thirst, and it is finished. The Bible lets us know that after this. So um, before I preach, let me I recommend last week's message to use on the podcast. Just listen so that you get the meat of it. Because sometimes when you want to do recap, uh, it is into the time. Amen. For what we will have for today. Um, but the Bible lets us know that Jesus, knowing that scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. And when you read Psalm 22, verse 15, Psalm 22 is known as the Messianic prophecy. You know, David, David, a worshiper, just prophesied. You know, one of the best ways to prophesy, let me just give you a side note, is just be a worshiper. Every, every, every believer can operate and can flow in what we call the simple gift of prophecy. It's different from standing in the office of a prophet. And one of the, and what is prophecy? Prophecy means speaking under inspiration. David was a worshiper. And because he worshiped the Lord, sometimes by inspiration, he will say some things. And, and when you read Psalm 22, David began to prophesy about the Messiah's suffering. And when you read Psalm 22, verse 15, he talked about Jesus will be thirsty on the cross. So that's a scripture that had to be fulfilled. So when Jesus uttered his sit saying, this is a sit saying, that I thirst, it was in fulfillment of that prophecy given by David in Psalm 22, verse 15. And the Bible lets us know that now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop. Now, mind you, this is not the first time they offered Jesus drink. That's why I always say this. It's worth repeating. Whenever you read an event in any of the Gospels, try and find out whether the event is repeated in all the other Gospels. It helps. Because if you read only John's accounts, you might miss some details. So to understand this, go with me to Mark chapter 15, verse 23. Let me even start from verse 22. And they brought him to the place Golgotha. That means Calvary. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. You know, so before you are crucified, that's according to the Roman custom, they always give you wine mingled with myrrh. So that, because crucifixion is a very, very painful experience. When you take the wine with myrrh, it desensitizes you from the pain. It doesn't mean that you will not die. You will still die, but at least the pain will be a bit bearable. So Jesus refused wine. Why? So that he will endure 
every pain, every pain, every consequence, everything associated with sin, the consequence, the penalty of sin, Jesus wanted to feel it. He didn't want to take drink mingled with mere that will desensitize the pain a bit and make the pain bearable. He took the full brunt, he took the full blow of every pain. So this was more like anesthesia. He, did, he didn't take it just to endure the pain. But when we read John chapter 19, now he's in the final moments of giving up the ghost. And the Bible lets us know, he exclaimed, I thirst. I thirst. And the Bible lets us know that a vessel of, full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, put it on hyssop. Have you read Psalm 51 verse 7? David said, Purge me with hyssop, that I shall be clean. Wash me. I shall be whiter than snow. What is the significance of hyssop? When God spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter 12 to institute the Passover, and if we all know the story carefully, God told Moses to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go after 430 years of slavery and captivity. The Bible lets us know that Pharaoh had in his heart. He wasn't going to allow that to happen. Well, the short of it, nine plagues happened. Nine plagues. And still Pharaoh had in his heart. And the tenth plague that was going to take place was that anybody in the house of Pharaoh's firstborn was going to die. It even affected animals. Firstborn animal. So if you're a dog, firstborn will die. Cats, firstborn, everything died. But for there to be a distinction, because there was a mixed crowd, God spoke to Moses. The angel of death is going to visit the land of Egypt. I want you to take a lamp, sacrifice the lamp, put the blood of the lamp on your doorpost. And when the angel of death shall pass by, anybody who doesn't have the blood of the lamp on their doorpost, the angel of death will visit their house. And that was how Israel was able to break free, finally from the captivity of Pharaoh. But one of the instructions God gave to Moses was, when you are putting the blood of the lamp on the doorpost, use the hyssop. Use the hyssop. So the hyssop became synonymous with purification. It became synonymous with consecration. Even if you go further to read Leviticus chapter 14, you realize that hyssop had become part of a cleansing instrument for the high priest. When you have leprosy, it's the high priest that's supposed to inspect you. And like I have said previously, leprosy is not a medical, a medical condition. Leprosy was believed by Jewish people to be 
sin from man. And the punishment of that sin came by leprosy. So there was no need to go to a physician. You had to go to the priest to be inspected if you are made clean. And the Bible lets us know that before you become clean, the high priest will take the hyssop and will sprinkle water upon you, I think blood upon you seven times to show that you are clean. So hyssop became synonymous with them. And the lamp of God, who John called, that he came to pay for the sins of the world. When he was dying, hyssop was there. Hyssop was sprinkled on his mouth to quench his thirst. To me, I see link between hyssop and then hyssop in the Old Testament. It, it, it really means something to me as a student of the Bible. There was hyssop. Hyssop was present. Why was it all a sponge? I don't know, but hyssop. Moses had to use hyssop to dip into the blood of the lamp and sprinkle it on the doorpost. The high priest had to use hyssop, sprinkle it seven times upon the leprous man, upon inspecting him to know he is clean and he is fit to stay in around society. Now, Jesus is at the point of giving up his ghost. This same hyssop has been introduced. It, it talks to me about Jesus truly is the lamp of God. And it also speaks to me of there was a cleansing that was taking place, a cleansing of the pollution, a cleansing of the uncleanliness, a cleansing of the sins of the world so that you and I will not have to face those consequences and bear the brunt of God's wrath. Ladies and gentlemen, in as much as we preach a lot about God's love, we also have to understand the wrath of God. But the reason why the wrath of God may be of inconsequence to us now is because someone has stood in our place and bore the brunt of the wrath of God upon himself. That is why you and I are living in this era of grace. But one day, a time will come when this closing of the end of the age occurs. The wrath of God will be visited again against all uncleanliness and all iniquity, especially against those who had the opportunity to receive Christ as their Lord and personal Savior for the purging of their sins, and they walked in disobedience. Jesus truly came to cleanse us. And the hyssop is there as an internal witness. So the Bible lets us know that when Jesus had received the sour wine, even the question I keep asking myself is, when you are thirsty and when you have vinegar, the sour wine in question is vinegar. 
Because when you read the scriptures, it, it talks about vinegar. When you have vinegar, how does vinegar help your test? But anyway, with every last strength Jesus had, he exclaimed, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And today, the, the crux of our message today is on the last three words of Jesus before he hung his head. It is finished. In the Greek, they call it tetelestai. T-E-T-E-L-E-S-T-A-I. T-E-T-E-L-E-S-T-A-I. Tetelestai. That's a very important word. It is finished. It was a word used in business. In business, it means the debt has been fully paid. So to the average Greek who was there, because mind you, there were Latins, Hebrews, and Greeks who were all at the foot of the cross. To the average Greek, when he hears this word, he will think about business. The debt has been fully paid. It was also a common word used in judgment and in the court system, which means the sentence is fully served. So when Jesus said that, those two scenarios could either play in your mind, or the third is used in military. The battle has finally been won. Tetelestai. And when Jesus said this, Jesus meant that he had paid everything in full. When you read Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that I came to fulfill the law. And before I leave, everything in the law will be fulfilled, including the jots and the tittle. Those are like um, exclamation marks, commas, full stops, and those things. Jesus is saying that I will fulfill everything, including all those inconsequent things, those, those things that you don't even deem important. That was how detailed, that was how meticulous, and that was how precise Jesus was. Jesus was making a statement when he said it is finished, that he has accomplished everything that the Father had revealed in the scriptures. Everything that he was supposed to do, everything that he was supposed to bear, he has accomplished it and he has paid it to the full. And what had he paid to the full? Our redemption. What had he paid to the full? Our righteousness. What had he paid to the full? Our justification. What had he paid to the full? Our consecration. What had he paid to the full? Our separation from the sin of this world, from the uncleanliness of this world, so that we can be married to God. What had he paid in full? our destiny, so that you and I can reign and rule with Christ forever and ever. 
after the end of this age. What had he paid in full? He had paid in full that our bodies will become the temple of the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit will now see it fit to come and dwell in us than dwelling in temples built by the hands of men. Jesus Christ paid it all. It took such a heavy price for him to do that. It also meant that Christ satisfied God's justice by dying for all of us to pay for the sins of the elect. It is finished. It's satisfied. God was satisfied. That's why when you read Isaiah chapter 53, the Bible lets us know that it pleased God that he bruised his son. Not because God is a sadist. Not because God has fun and pleasure in seeing someone suffer. But he saw it fit and he saw it well and meaning for his son to be bruised so that we could be here this morning singing worship to God. Is it God was looking at the bigger picture. When Christ died, I wasn't born. You were not born. Christ, God was looking at the bigger picture that non-Jews will all say Jesus is Lord. Non-Jews will bow and every knee and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Non-Jews. God was looking at the bigger picture that the whole world will come to the realization of the saving knowledge of a son that Jesus is Lord. And why is he Lord? Because he came to save us from the sins of this world. This is not an Easter message. This is an everyday message. This is the reason why we live. In him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. How can we have our being? Because our sins have been paid for. It is finished. He has paid for the sins. Therefore, because Christ has paid for the sins, listen, our sins can never be punished again. Sins that will violate God's justice. Because someone has stood in that place. Sins can only be punished once, either by a substitute or by yourself. And in the Old Testament, there was a substitute, but it wasn't good enough. That's why sacrifices were there. It wasn't good enough. And if we would have stood in place for the punishment of our sins, that would have also not been good enough. He had to send his son, not just to stand in our place, but to wipe, clear off all our sins so that God could be reconciled to the world again because God is a holy God. Sink and dwell. God is a holy God. It is finished. It is paid for. So, listening to this message, 
you have to understand you are not a debtor because Christ paid your debts for you. Listening to this message, you have to know that you are not condemned because someone received the full brunt of condemnation upon himself so that you will not be condemned. Listening to this message, you have to know that the battle has been won. When Jesus said it is finished, he didn't say it from a loser's perspective. He said it from a victor's roar. A victor's roar. Christ has won the battle. He won the battle against sin. He won the battle against death. He won the battle against hell so that hell cannot hold any of us captives so that if, if we should die today, we know that we have a resting place in heaven. He won the battle against hell. He won the battle against principalities and powers. He won the battle against the devil so that the devil could not hold you in captive anymore. So today, if the devil is holding you in captivity, my question to you is that do you know the significance of the crucifixion of Christ? Do you know the significance of the last three words he uttered out that it is finished? It is finished. It is finished. And the Bible lets us know when Jesus had received the sour and when he said it is finished, he bowed his head give up his spirits. And when Jesus bowed his head, he didn't bow his head in defeat. Bowing his head, it spoke of a peaceful act. That means he had seen to it that everything had been fulfilled concerning the scriptures. He came in the volume of the book to fulfill and do the master's will and the master's wish. He, he saw to it that Everything that had been written in the scriptures concerning him, from Genesis to Malachi, everything had been fulfilled. No stone had been left unturned in the area of fulfilled prophecy. Everything had been fulfilled. And with that, Jesus saw it fit to bow his head, a sign of a peaceful act. He didn't hang his head in defeat. He just bowed his head because he knew that truly he had finished. And I love the last four words of the, the sentence of verse 30. He gave up his spirit. Death had no power over him. He gave up his spirit. He said it. The prince of this world is coming. He has nothing against me. For I lay down my life. It's a sacrifice. Christ didn't die. He just gave up his spirit. Because he was looking at the bigger picture. He exclaimed, it is finished. It is finished. So today as a believer, don't work with death of sin. It is paid for.
understand the significance of the crucifixion of Christ. It is paid for. Don't walk feeling condemned because many Christians feel guilty because of condemnation. And you are feeling condemned because you haven't understood the significance of Christ's crucifixion. You were declared not guilty. And because you have been declared not guilty, you are justified. Just as if you've not sinned. And one of the ways by which you can walk justified and you can have a conscience of not feeling guilty is to receive the gift of righteousness which came through the avenue of Christ's crucifixion. The devil can't condemn you because today you are understanding who you are in Christ as a result of Christ's crucifixion. It doesn't mean we will not fall. And it doesn't mean because we know of this too, we will take the grace of God for granted. For the Bible says that, should we understand this grace of God and live anyhow? God forbid. But we are talking about genuinely making a mistake genuinely experiencing a lapse, in, a lapse in your Christian faith or in your Christian work should not let you throw in the towel because you are not condemned. Jesus took that condemnation on the cross so that in terms of your, in your times of frailty, in your times of vulnerability, even when you make a mistake, you can just rely on the rich mercies and the forgiveness of your sins rather than walking in total condemnation, guilt, and shame. Jesus has paid such a heavy price for us not to walk in condemnation. And mind you, the battle has been won. That is why when Christians, when we die today, we just sleep. Because Christ has taken the power of death on our behalf. That when we die, the icy hands of death don't touch us. We move into a seamless transition from this earth to joining the presence of the Lord. And Apostle Paul said it right. To, for, to be absent in the body is to be present in the Lord. You can only be present in the Lord when you have received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior who became the final payment, became the atoning sacrifice, and became the final redemption for our sins. There is nothing in this world that can give you that price except Christ. Many people are looking for other avenues, other gods, other religions. And Hebrews has said it well. If you reject this sacrifice, 
there is no longer any sacrifice of sins for this world. Don't reject the sacrifice. Receive the sacrifice. Walk in the sacrifice. Because it's in this sacrifice that you know who you are. You know your reality. And it is through this sacrifice that you will be able to have a rich worship experience of who God truly is. So it is finished. That is the message. Jesus had to utter these words for you and me. It was for our welfare. Every beating, every slap, all the spikes that were put through his wrist and his ankles was because of us. So that we could come to a place where we will walk condemnation free. We could come to a place where we will not feel guilty. We could come to a place where we have no debts. We owe no sin to the old man of sin. We owe no sin to the master who is the father of all lies, the devil. We are liberated. We walk in the liberty of the spirit. We have no ties with the enemy because our sins have been paid for. It's that freedom. It came at a cost. It came at a cost. So today, as we've heard this message, may this message cause us to have a renewed mind of what we think of the crucifixion because it was for our welfare. As gory as it may be, as graphic as it may be, it was for our welfare. So that you and I could have a better destiny. Because our destiny was bad. We were on our way to hell. We incurred God's wrath. But today we incur his good pleasure. Because the Bible lets us know that the father saw it fit. It pleased him that his son would be bruised. Not because he is a sadist. Or because Jesus is a masochist. A masochist is someone who derives pleasure from pain. But Jesus had to go through this. Not because he enjoyed it. But he had to endure it. For you. And for me. And I'm glad my master did that. So that I could walk with a clear conscience, bereft of sin, bereft of guilt, knowing that my debts have been fully paid and knowing that the battle has been won. The battle against sin has been won. The battle against death has been won. The battle against hell has been won. And that is why we can rejoice in Christ forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship the Lord.
واثق Thank you, Jesus. Worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let God feel your gratitude this morning. Worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise. I want you to think about this song as you have to this message. You were always fighting for us, heaven's angels all around. My delight is found in knowing that you wear the victor's crown. You're my help and my defender. You're my savior and my friend. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. At the mention of your greatness, 
Tell us thy. It is finished. You overcame for our welfare. You wore the victor's crown for our welfare. It is done, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord. We will be careful to give you all praise, all glory, all adoration. May we have a rich worship experience, Lord, proclaiming you as God alone. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You wear the victor's crown. Thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.